Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. Now, in today's show, of course, we're going to discuss and talk about everything non-E3. And obviously, we're going to wrap it up with the Xbox Game Showcase. I'm going to kind of highlight a few games that caught my eye. But first, we're going to begin with what began the week, which was Summer Game Fest for Mr. Jeff Keighley. Now, this was the first time that Summer Game Fest was uh, taking place in front of a live studio audience. And it opened with a pretty interesting game. It was a pretty big surprise, something that I don't, you know, I don't think anyone saw coming, which was a brand new Prince of Persia called Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. 2.5D action adventure from the same team as Rayman Origins and Legends. Look. To me, I've been a Prince of Persia fan for for quite some time. I remember playing uh, the original a very, very long time ago. And uh, to see something like this, to me, this is one of the most interesting things to come out of Ubisoft uh, for a while. You know, Ubisoft has been struggling immensely in the originality department. (laughs) And it's kind of funny how within the last two weeks, we've heard about them canceling the sense of time remake and i don't know like if i'm 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 within ubisoft to me this game itself looking at this game and the fact that it's been obviously in development during a time that they've been trying to create the sense of time remake i personally don't understand why there's even a sense of time remake like you guys should have been better off just completely focusing on the future and how this this thing looks because this looks incredible it's really taking Prince of Persia way back to its roots, which was one of the things I found really funny. There were a lot of media outlets running these stories about how there has been this negative perception to Prince of Persia, the lost crown because the trailers on YouTube are getting a bunch of dislikes. They're disproportionate to the thumbs up. And it's funny because when you read some of those comments, I saw a lot of them that were saying, uh, you know, oh, this isn't the traditional Prince of Persia. And people are like, oh, you need to bring the old Prince of Persia back. And I'm just sitting there laughing. I'm like, this is the old Prince of Persia. What the hell are you guys talking about? It was 2D before it was 3D. Everything about this looks really uh, amazing. The combat system looks amazing. The fact that it's 2D, but they still kept like the rewind ability in order to open up the combat. And the fact that it's coming from the same team as Origins and Legends, which uh, without argument or some of the best 2D platformers that we've seen in the last decade. Just everything about it, WWW, definitely one of the best things I've seen out of Ubisoft, for me personally, since the Division 2, easily. Then we moved on to Mortal Kombat 1. This was the debut of the actual gameplay of Mortal Kombat. And look, I don't know how anyone could be disappointed by what they saw here i really you know nether realm has i want to say quietly but i sometimes feel like they're not getting the recognition they deserve because this team is working on a fighting game and fighting games is just something that traditionally our industry as a whole doesn't really discuss as much as uh, other genres out there but nether realm has quietly been one of the uh, most technically efficient and proficient studios definitely of the last uh, few years. This game just looks so absolutely 
clean. I think it's the most amazing Mortal Kombat game uh, that we've ever laid our eyes on. I really like that they're bringing a lot more color into it. It doesn't really feel just as singularly drab and dark as some of the older games. And like I said, when it comes to the their work on animation, especially like, um, what do you want to call it? Like facial vocals, you know, the way characters' mouths move when they're speaking. Just everything is completely top-notch. And honestly, like, I would really love to see NetherRealm do something other than a fighting game after this one. Like, I will be very interested if Ed Boon has ever even considered having his team or maybe even splitting the team in a sense and having him do something that's an action adventure. Even if it's, even if it's using, like, um, the Mortal Kombat characters, you're doing, like, a, a 3D hack and slash or a 3D beat-em-up with... Mortal Kombat characters. I'll be interested to see how this team can operate with a single player narrative or in all honesty, like even getting something uh, from the DC license. Like, I don't know, like I wouldn't honestly be opposed uh, with NetherRealm creating like a, I don't want to go as crazy as say a Superman game, but I mean, we saw they did an incredible job with the story of injustice. I just think they have such an amazing team. And when you look at this game, it is just amazing. And and like I said, it's technically such an amazing achievement. Even um one of the things that was so mind blowing was when they were showing the um the loading screen so where it went from character select straight into the fight. Like that's just something from a development technical standpoint that's like, wow, that's extremely amazing. That's something that they're uh they're able to pull off so they reiterated the release date looks like it's, it's pretty much locked down it's going to come out september 19th so at the very least with just this game is street fighter 6 coming out it's it's i would say i have to give it a little bit of a thought but i actually don't even think as much of a thought this is without a doubt going to be the most contentious fighting game category in in uh game awards history especially if Tekken 8 somehow also comes out this year. But even just those two, Mortal Kombat 1 versus Street Fighter 6 is, is, is a battle that I, I'm, I'm more than ready to, 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 uh, to look at. Next up, they showed Path of Exile 2 uh, for PC. That looked really good. Uh, Capcom announced that Street Fighter 6 is getting an Exoprimal crossover event that's coming out fall 2023. That looked really cool. I also like that... Um, it, I forgot what it was, but I think they called it part one or collab one or something like that. Kind of showing that there's a lot more content that Capcom is planning in terms of crossing over with their own uh, IP. So maybe there'll be a, a Resident Evil crossover in the future or Monster Hunter or something like that. I think Monster Hunter crossing over with uh, Street Fighter will be actually be uh, really cool. Uh, then we have one of the most surprising guests in... Uh, Jeff Keighley's history to hit the stage, which was Nicolas Cage coming on stage from, uh, for dead by, uh, daylight. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much more to, to say about that. I don't really play dead by daylight, but it's Nicolas Cage playing himself. I love that this actor has gotten to the point where he has a film and now he's just in a video game, just completely playing himself. <laughs> I just think it's kind of the funniest thing. Then, uh, we got some new footage for Witchfire which is like that 
first person shooter, but you know, the guns have magic in them. I don't know. It, it looks still looks amazing. That looks really cool. I like that it's coming from the same team as as Painkiller. So you know you're you're looking forward to some really tight shooting gameplay. Then we got um, Sonic Superstars was revealed from Sega, and uh, this looks amazing. Look, I I give Sonic a lot of sh- like I really personally don't understand why um, there are people that still love Sonic games. It, I just, I honestly just don't get it, especially that, uh, that last one. I just kind of don't understand why so many people like it, but obviously it's doing really well. That's just my opinion. But this 2D one actually looks really cool. That's co-op up to four players. Uh, I like that it's uh, obviously very modernized with the graphics, but it still really calls back to that classic gameplay. I think it, it looks really amazing. Definitely one of the best things that, Sega has done with Sonic for quite some time. That's coming out fall 2023. Then we got a brand new trailer for Lies of P, which is this uh, Pinocchio Souls game that feels like it's been in development forever. I feel like we've been talking about this game for uh, for quite some time. Or actually, not, not even Pinocchio uh, Souls. Uh, people are kind of comparing it a lot more to uh, to Bloodborne. And uh, they got a new date, which seems to, to be concrete now, which is September 19th. Obviously, this game has been delayed a few times. That is the same day as Mortal Kombat 1, so choose wisely what you're going to play on September 19th. Uh, but there also was a demo release, which was which was really cool. I've been playing it. I haven't had time to finish it, but I was able to start it. I downloaded it. it on Xbox uh, Series X because it's coming to Game Pass. If I choose to play this game, I'm probably going to just get it through Game Pass because I'm not really into these Souls games, but I I was having fun. I thought it was pretty cool, but uh, I still have to go back into it in order to to finish it. But I think it, it looks really, really good. Then we got this really surprising game called Sandland from famed Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama uh, it instantly reminded me of Blue Dragon and I think that might also be uh, not just you know because the artists are the same creators are the same but uh, I think it's just it's presence uh, not I get close to Xbox I don't know why but, like I had Xbox on my mind when I saw this so that's why it reminded me of Blue Dragon um, I don't know it looks it looks really really cool I, I, I'm interested to learn a lot more about it obviously we didn't really get too much in terms of detail i saw the the gameplay that we saw but it looks like you have like a, a mech it's this big desert area so i'm gonna safely assume that sort of open world or semi-open world uh but yeah sandline i think it looks really really cool that was, that was a nice surprise then we got a new look at the amazon published throne and liberty they announced a tech test so if you want to uh partake in that be sure to look be sure to search that up thrown in liberty then we got our first look at alan wake 2 gameplay now this is a game that i've been looking forward to for quite some time because i feel like when alan wake first came out for 360 i think it was within a year or two years of that game coming out there were talks from remedy about a sequel so it's been quite some time we've been waiting quite some time for 
uh, a sequel to Alan Wake, and man, it, it just looks really, 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 really good. <laughs> you know, it's um, to me when I was looking at it, uh, when I was looking at the gameplay, especially like the camera angle, it reminded me so much of the Resident Evil 4 remake, especially in terms of atmosphere. But this one felt even more grounded. And I think just they really ratchet up the tension. Like you could feel it even in that, that short amount of, of, uh, of gameplay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know more I could say about this outside of, I, I just don't get how you, you can look at this game and not be instantly excited and really, really want to play it. And uh, it's pretty cool that it's coming out uh, this year, just a few more months. Uh, wait until October and we'll be able to actually play that. Then we got a new look at Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2, three-player co-op. This one actually looks like a lot of fun. I thought that this game was coming to Game Pass, but maybe I'm crazy because at the end of, the, uh, of it, they they didn't show a Game Pass logo. Could have sworn when this game was first shown, they also had talked about it for Game Pass, but obviously I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. Then we got the announcement of a sequel to Yes, Your Grace called Yes, Your Grace Snowfall. We got a look at this game called John Carpenter's, Carpenter's, John Carpenter's Toxic Commando, which is one of those games that you look at. I, I feel like, you know, every showcase, there's at least one of these games where it just looks very, very simple. It looks like something that would probably only be fun if you're playing with other players like this, this. We've seen this game so many times before where it's like very simplistic. Hey, it's just a bunch of hordes of zombies. And you're just mowing them down, but you can very easily look at it and say, well, this would be hella fun if you're playing with a group of people. But if you're single player, this just does not look like it's going to last very long in the fun department. Then we got a new look at Baldur's Gate 3. And then one of the bigger surprises of the show, which was the presence of spider-man 2 which was a crazy crazy surprise i mean when that uh photo came up of, of, of peter and miles depicting the brand new cover art for the sequel like you can hear the the crowd sort of gasp and get audibly excited about seeing it because there literally no one would have predicted that this game would have been shown here because two weeks ago was when we got our first look at the actual gameplay of the game. And you would sort of think that that would be the moment that PlayStation would want to show everything. <laughs> and and uh, apparently it wasn't because the this was where they chose to um, reveal, number one, details about Venom, which was something that was not really shown during the PlayStation showcase. Like they show Peter with the symbiote suit, the black suit, but they didn't really go into detail about, you know, Peter and Miles actually fighting Venom. And they confirmed that Eddie Brock is not uh, this game's or this universe's version of Venom. And then the surprise announcement that they dropped the release date, which was October 20th. Uh, just hella weird <laughs> that... You know, you would drop something as important as the release date and an event that's not yours when your own event was two weeks ago. And there was some people that were looking at it in terms of like, oh, you know, maybe they just wanted to be very, very sure in terms of that release date. 
I personally just can't imagine that within two weeks time, so much had changed that, that within two weeks, they felt that much more, uh, ready for some reason to, to put out their release date. I don't know. It was just really weird to see something like that because I, I do feel like that is a big deal for them to confirm that it is actually coming this year. Um, when just two weeks ago, there was the PlayStation showcase. So that was, that was definitely a, a really, really big surprise. Then after that, we got our, uh, another look at pal world which is a game that i remember a friend of mine texting me i think it was like a few months ago or something like that and uh it's ba it's i mean look jeff keely himself in his introduction he said something that if i was the developer of this game and i was handing over this trailer and participated with with Jeff Keighley to have this game shown at one of his events. I think I would have explicitly told Jeff Keighley to not say what he said, which was when Jeff Keighley was up on the stage, he explained this game as Pokemon with guns. And that's exactly what this is. If you look at it, it looks like almost a Pokemon ripoff, except that it has guns in it to the point where it's it's like it's hard to look at it and not think that there's some sort of a, a lawsuit potentially here because so many of these creatures are eerily close to actual Pokemon designs, which is why I was surprised that Jeff Keighley would actually say that. Or I, I guess I would say that the developers at Pal World didn't kind of go to him and say, like, could you just please not mention the word Pokemon? <laughs> um because I'm I'm sure that they're not uh, very forward with that information or or wanting to people to make that uh, that comparison uh, between their game and and Pokemon because like I said it looks very very close. Then uh, one of the other games that I thought looked really really good was Banisher's Ghosts of Eden, which I feel debuted at last year's Game Awards. I I, I kind of that, that sort of feels right to me. And it was something that was very surprising because of the team behind it. They're 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 so you know, which is Don't Nod, uh, which I kind of only know this this team as making like narrative adventures. So it's really cool to see them branch out and create something that just you know this third person, triple A looking action adventure game. Um, but it looks amazing. And then, you know, because of their experience that you're in for an amazing story, the gameplay looks really interesting. It's sort of like you're playing these, these two people that look like they're connected romantically and you can kind of call in your partner to do certain moves and, and, and share abilities. I don't know. All, all of it just looked really, really amazing. Um, to me. Uh, yeah, this is definitely one of those games that uh, that I am keeping an eye on. Then uh, we got a trailer for Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. That looked really cool uh, for people that are into that series. Unfortunately, I just I just cannot get into the Yakuza series. Every time I try, I feel like I still have to try again because so many people keep telling me to play the Yakuza or as it's known now, the Like a Dragon series. But at this point, it just feels so overwhelming because of how many of these games in this series actually exist now. It's like it just feels almost endless because it's like they have the main life series and then all these little spinoffs all over the place. 
Uh, the next game that they showed that definitely caught my eye was this game called Lisfanga. Lisfanga, the Time Shift Warrior, which definitely had almost like a, a, a Hades look and feel to it. Kind of has like that that, that top down camera. But uh, the main mechanic is you can sort of make copies of yourself. I don't know exactly how it would work, but it looked really cool. Definitely a lot of potential there for combos, gameplay, and then, uh, uh, of course, uh, for solving puzzles. I don't know. I, I thought it looked really, really cool. And then last but not least, the, the, the final reveal for the show, which was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. This was a surprise mainly because... I think Jeff Keighley did sort of a little bit of a mistake of like hyping this up at the beginning of the show and then like really hyping up before they showed it. And I think a lot of people are like me where, I don't know, for me, I was expecting something like brand new, something we'd never heard of before. So I was a little bit surprised to see that it was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, I don't know what it is that uh, Square Enix is feeding their their artists and their developers, but there's something about these Final Fantasy games that it's like easily some of the best looking games within our industry. When you think about this and the uh, you know 16 that comes out very very soon, it just looks absolutely amazing. The art direction um, that that I don't know, like that team just has such a strong grasp on that engine it's it's just poetry in motion <laughs> what you see when you see this game whether it's uh cut scenes or exploration or the combat just everything about it is it's such a it, it just really goes to show you know it reminds me of it reminds me of uh, kojima's team like kojima productions it's like this team that has such a strong grasp on their engine and you have a team that that seems to have been sticking around together for such a long time that everything that they create now just looks absolutely effortless. So when I think about this, even like you know the the new Kingdom Hearts sort of gameplay snippet that we saw, what was it, like a year ago or something like that, just all of it just looks, looks absolutely spot on. It just looks amazing, amazing, amazing. And that was that was the uh, the, the the end of show. And I saw some people criticizing online after the show had happened. They were like, oh, you know, I really miss E3 and, and, and this, that, and the third. And I just want to address that for a second. Number one, Summer Game Fest. What people need to remember is that Summer Game Fest exists within the absence of, of E3. It, wasn't, it, it, it doesn't exist in terms of a way to replace it. It exists because... Jeff Keighley saw something happening a few years ago and Jeff Keighley went to E3 with a plan and with suggestions and um, kind of telling them where things were heading and E3 rejected uh, his point of view and, and his ideas. So uh, Jeff Keighley be, being Jeff Keighley, um, you know, just turned around and said, okay, I'll, I'll just do this myself because I know that what's happening right now is an inevitability. And Summer Game Fest is, is such an interesting story because it was concocted by Jeff Keighley as a solution to a problem that he saw coming um, kind of around the corner. And the COVID-19 lockdowns and what it did to our industry and what it did to E3 and obviously in-person events just basically accelerated 
what he said was going to happen, you know, where instead of it happening seven years from now, it happened within a year of him uh, probably having that meeting with uh, with E3. And, you know, it's not like Jeff Keighley predicted uh, lockdowns, <laughs> right? And this plague, this worldwide plague. But what he was basically predicting is that now companies no longer want to work on an outside schedule, especially not even just developers, but publishers also. They don't want to be sort of dictated in terms of when you're coming up with a marketing plan for your game and even just a development plan for your project. Traditionally, E3 was always a part of that. Like at one point it was CES until our industry created their own thing with E3. And then everyone kind of just moved on to that. So that when you created a marketing or development plan for your game, E3 was always part of that plot. Um, and there was always something, you know, eight months before E3, where you were already beginning plans on if you were gonna show something, was it going to be CG or, or, or not? Um, are, you being are you being pressured by your publisher or by you know, your Sony's, your Xbox's, or your Nintendo's to uh, create a team in order to develop uh, a demonstration either for something on stage or something to go onto the show floor. And I think that, you know, what Jeff Keighley started to realize is that more and more, number one, developers and publishers don't want to uh, sort of, in a sense, cut into their development time in order to slice out time and effort and resources to deliver something that they have to have delivered within a seven day period uh, throughout an entire calendar year. So there's that. And then also the fact that you had companies like Nintendo paving the way to show other publishers that welcome to the digital age where we no longer have to rely on the IGNs of the world, the magazines of the world, the publications to get our uh, information out there. We can now speak directly to consumers, whether that's Twitter or YouTube or whatever form that is. That, that dynamic right there changed everything. That's really what killed E3. E3, essentially, the, the ESA allowed E3 to die because they refused to adapt. By the time they decided to adapt, it kind of became a little bit too late where if they were a little bit earlier to the party building those bridges with uh, publishers and, and maybe relaying to them, Hey, this is still really important for us to have a blowout week of information and focus on our industry to try to keep people together, to, to bring something uh, to, you know, one week in June every year, they refuse to adapt. And that's really why E3, essentially has died, right? And now it's kind of funny to see this because when people say like, oh, this sucks, I miss E3. It's like, yeah, you know, honestly, I do. I think there was a, a certain amount of electricity at E3 because we had all these publishers sort of in conjunction that they were going to bring, you know, what they were ready to bring, but the best of their best during this week. And you know, instead of a buffet, you know, now we have, a, you know, a few meals throughout the year because 
Now you have companies that, yeah, they kind of want to ride this wave that's happening right now in June. Like this week, we're going to have, we're still waiting for Ubisoft. We're still going to have one for Capcom also happening this year. But now companies just don't feel the pressure of having to do it. If, if Capcom didn't truly feel ready to show anything or didn't have much to discuss, they don't really feel the pressure to do it. They're just doing it because, hey, you know, we have stuff ready and we want to uh, to show it. So I don't think this is really something where I was like, oh, this kind of sucks or Jeff Keighley needs to do better. People need to remember also that, you know, Jeff Keighley's at the mercy of these publishers. When these things are happening, he's approaching publishers. I'm sure a lot of those conversations happen vice versa. Publishers are approaching him because they're ready to show something. But, um, yeah, if they're not ready to reveal something, then they're not ready to reveal something. Or if they're choosing to, hey, why am I going to stick my game into an hour-long um, showcase where one game can basically mean that you know, no one's going to be discussing my game because everyone's too busy discussing and, and every media outlet and Twitter has two discs trending now <laughs> because of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Why would I take that risk? when I could do something on my own to my own, you know, my most dedicated fans and release it on a day where I feel like I will have the news cycle to myself. So a lot of this isn't really on Jeff Keighley's shoulders. The other thing that was a big conversation piece that came out of Summer Game Fest event was its, its lack of women and any women presenters or anyone or any women speaking on, on stage. And that was pi pioneered by an article by The Verge's Ash Parrish. And then... Was sort of added a little bit of fuel to that fire was Matt Piscatella, a video game analyst who tweeted out the following stats um, from these are basically like surveys that have been done. Uh, his claim over the years, according to a, uh, a data company that he is an analyst for. So um, the statistics that he shared was that females make up 47 percent of all console owners. 50% of PC, 54% of mobile, 41% of PS5, 45% of Xbox Series, 52% of Switch, and then 50% of gaming PCs are female-owned. Daniel Ahmad, another analyst, said 42.6% of uh, Asian gamers um, are female across all platforms. And obviously, this, this kind of started a little bit of, uh, uh, of discourse, just a lot of, uh, you know, uh, disgusting comments in the uh comments i guess for for these uh these these uh these tweets and look i think uh, a a a big point has been brought up i think it's a very valid point i think there's some people that I was looking at in the comments were like oh you know this what what's the big deal there are bigger things for for people to worry about it's not that big of a deal but to be honest if you come across someone that tells you like oh this isn't a big deal chances are probably 99% of the time, the person behind that tweet is probably a white man. <laughs> like, you know, to you, this isn't a, a big deal uh, because if you are a white male in our industry, you know, you basically are the status quo across our industry. You are the status quo when it comes to a developer where when the words video game developer are said, it's almost like word association. The first thing that pops up in a lot of people's minds are is a white male. When you look at the number of protagonists for video games in any given year, it's so male dominated, but predominantly white male dominated. Um, and then of course, when you think about online gameplay, 
uh, esports, even when you think about multiplayer professional, uh, the status quo is the male. And of course, white male is the most status quo uh, kind of of all. And it was kind of funny because it's like, like, like I'll look at things at like the Banisher's Ghost of Eden trailer where one of the two starring protagonists, one of them is a black female. And one of the comments said, you know, oh, woke era, you know, no game can, can come out without a diverse cast. What a, what a failure. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, so one black female <laughs> now, now constitutes a, uh, a diverse cast. Um, you know, this is kind of one of those situations where I, I just feel like everyone is entitled to, um, to their opinion. But I think the most important thing is the most obvious viewpoint that we can all have when it comes to this, which is that this is an industry that we all love, that we all partake in. And, and I, I'm, I'm speaking um, from a point of view of like one of the driving reasons why I started Camp Koji. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast um, was because when I looked at video game um, discourse, when I looked at video game uh, media commenting, especially during E3, during E3 presentations, I really only saw white men. I, I rarely ever saw someone that looked like me. And look, our industry has gotten a lot better when it comes to that. But according, to, especially to what Matt Piscotella is saying is like, hey, 50% of your um, players are female then you should be able to meet them in the middle <laughs> and have some female presented. And this is something that is, is, is could, could also you know, be something that falls on Jeff Keeley's shoulders, but I think it predominantly falls on the shoulders of the, the, the publishers and developers that when they have these opportunities, they're using it to elevate people of color and, and, and women. Because uh, you know when you think about, especially a video game development is still heavily skewed towards male. I think uh, three out of 10 developers are, are female. And in order for you to try to raise that number up, then you have to be able to speak to the demographic, the younger demographic that are going into, that are really interested in the video game development. They're watching these shows and they can see someone that they identify with. And I think that's the thing. If, if you look at this and you say like, well, what's the big deal? The reason why it's not a big deal to you is because it's more than likely because you're a white male or at the very least a man. So this has just become the status quo for you. And you've been kind of in that room for so long that it's just become the normal for you. It, it's sort of, it's sort of like people who complain about the, the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse movie where they look at it as like, why is it that so many of these spider uh, people that they showed are people of, of color, uh, whether it's Miles Moretis, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Woman, Spider-Punk, you know, it's all people of color. You know, they had the uh, the the Indian Spider-Man on there, which was really, really cool to see in that film. And it's just always funny to see things like that because I always look at it as like, you know, if you look at the entire lifespan of Spider-Man in live action media, <laughs> you know, Spider-Man has been a white man for like, what is it, like over 40 years or something like that. And we now have... Uh, Miles Morales, a black Spider-Man, and uh, now it's about to be uh, technically, I guess, three video games. Um, and then now he's he's going to be in three films. And it's like, when you skew that up and you look at the big picture, it's like, yeah, we finally have a black Spider-Man 
in uh, three games compared to what? 40, 50 games where Spider-Man is, is, is Peter Parker. It's just such a ridiculous notion. And, you know, honestly, it is a big deal because you want your teams to be as diverse as possible. And in order for something like that to happen or for us to get the best out of these video games, if you want the best amount of dialogue from all characters, especially females, you need female developers, writers, artists. Uh, it's the only way for it, for, for, for it to happen. That's why females in video games are much better now than they were, you know, uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's not because the technology has gotten better. It's because the demographic of developers has skewed. So we've gotten more females in there. Same thing when you think of like people uh, of color. There's a reason why Miles Morales and Spider-Man, his fade looks perfectly on point looks like he went to a Dominican barber the reason why is because you have people of color working to uh, create that character in in uh, the game it's not that's not the power of the PlayStation 5 that's the power of black people you understand that's why you need this and that's why it is a big deal now before we move on to the Xbox showcase let's um, I wanted to highlight a few games that I thought looked really interesting that maybe you might have missed some things that, that looked really cool to me, starting with this game called Haunty, it's it's spelled H-A-U-N-T-I-I. -I. I thought it looked really, really amazing. Definitely go check it out. It's like this isometric top-down uh, adventure where you're like a ghost, but you can pos possess different things uh, in the environment in order to defeat enemies. I think it's like it, it controls like a twin-stick shooter. That one looked amazing to me. Hellskate is another game that looked really, really interesting. It's like a roguelike crossed with... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where you can do tricks and you know manuals and grind rails, and then it's, it's attached to, to an actual combat system. Um, so obviously there's monsters, and it, and it operates like a roguelike RPG. Uh, that one's called Hellscape. That one looked really cool. Henry Halfhead is another game that I thought looked really cool. I like games that are like you know honestly like really mellow and just look. You know, I think these games are needed. Where it's just very just laid back let me just sit back and play this game where you play like this character called Henry Halfhead and you're kind of taking control of things in the environment in order to solve puzzles so like you know make breakfast and you have to kind of turn yourself into the the plug and, and, and plug the toaster into the wall and then uh, jump into the bread and put the bread in the toaster I don't know like really it, it looks really really creative I really like the art style uh, definitely go check out Cocoon. We finally got a new look at this game. This game was first revealed at one of the Xbox showcases because it's coming to Game Pass. But it's uh, it's being led by, I believe, the lead gameplay or the lead puzzle designer behind Inside and Limbo. So that I already was really excited. But we finally got a deep dive into the gameplay of Cocoon. It's, it's oh my God, just amazing. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's like, uh, you know, the, these worlds where you can jump out of the world that you're in and then you can physically see the world represented in the game as like this little pearl and you can carry an entire universe around with you to help you solve puzzles. And at any point you can jump into a universe and jump out of it. Um, so it's almost like one of those like Russian nesting dolls where it's like a universe in a universe in a, uni in a universe. You can jump out in order to avoid obstacles. It's just amazing. Please go check out Cocoon. Another game that I thought looked interesting was called Ite or Ate. I don't, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. Um, which was like a, a an art game where you can paint um, kind of the environment. And then you're, you are commissioned paintings. 
and then everything that you've painted becomes part of your inventory and then you can use them as pieces in order to commission paintings from people. So they'll tell you like, I want a, this type of painting and, and they'll give you like minimums, like it needs, you know, two dinosaurs, a bathtub, blah, blah, blah. And then you can sort of manipulate and, and move it around uh, in any way you like in order to make an art piece. I thought it looked really cool. Summer Hill was another game that, that interested me. Where it's like you play this shepherd, sort of a top-down, but just absolutely gorgeous um, art style. Cookie Cutter was another game that that really stood out to me uh, because it has hand-drawn. You could you could see it immediately. These very very gorgeous hand-drawn animations, just gorgeous. And then last but not least, another game that stood out to me was called Spirit of the Samurai, which has this stop-motion look to it. Uh, reminded me a lot of you know, like fantastic Mr. Fox, um, just gorgeous, gorgeous. Like I'm, this is like the thing that I always look out for a lot during, uh, E3 or now non E3 are what are the games that just look absolutely gorgeous in terms of an art style. Um, so those are the ones that, that stood out to me. So definitely go and check those out now to, to wrap this all up, our final story dealing with the Xbox games showcase. And look, I, I I honestly say this almost every time Xbox has a showcase. I always come onto this this uh this podcast and I say this is Xbox's most important showcase. <laughs> and every year it's been like that for quite some time. Because Xbox has unfortunately within this generation has definitely overpromised and underdelivered. And obviously going to the showcase, they were on their back foot because of because of what happened with Redfall. And the fact that they allowed that game to be released. Let's let's all be honest. That game should have never released. That game should have been delayed. And going into this, especially the discourse that followed PlayStation Showcase, everyone almost unanimously agreeing that PlayStation dropped the ball. I think I tweeted that this is this showcase was like Xbox is at the free throw line, but the net is the size of the moon. Like it's, it's almost impossible for them to miss. And they definitely, definitely did not miss it. It was unanimously positive in terms of, um, the feedback after the show aired. Uh, so yeah, let's just, just go through everything that they announced. And they started off with fable. Now this is kind of a big deal because Aaron Greenberg before the show, he explicitly tweeted about how there would be no CGI shown, that everything they were going to show was really a mix of in-engine or actual gameplay. And it's kind of weird because when you look at the Fable trailer, first of all, Richard Ayoa, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, I think it's Ayoade or Ayoade. Um, he is the star of one of my favorite just one of the funniest TV shows of all time. It's called the It Crowd or the IT Crowd. If you've never seen it, you just have to watch. It's one of the most brilliant British comedies of all time, but honestly, it's one of the greatest comedies of all time. And um, just having him be a part of this presentation, obviously being a part of the game, is just perfect because one of the staples of Fable is that British humor. And you could tell that Playground Games that was like one of the first things that they wrote on that whiteboard. Like, I feel like no matter how this happened, whether it was Xbox going to playground or playground requesting to bring back fable, I think that 
early on they understood how important it was to have that 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 British flair, that British humor. Um, and it really comes through in the first Fable trailer, and it comes through a lot with this one. Now, the interesting thing is that the 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 trailer starts off by saying, I'm, I'm trying to scrub through the trailer right now because I want to get the words right. In-game footage is what it says. This is one of those things, that I'm going to be honest, I just do not believe it. <laughs> this, this thing just looked too good. Um, obviously, even though this is in-game footage, it's obviously heavily scripted. It's like very heavily manipulated. It's very hard for me to believe personally, looking at this game, that this is how it's going to look, that I'm going to be able to talk to characters and them have the facial animation and uh, fidelity. That's the word I was looking for. The animation fidelity of the facial muscles working as they did when Richard was narrating in real time when I'm, when I'm talking to a character. It's very hard for me to believe that that's actually happening. There are definitely moments and pockets within this trailer that it definitely looks very close to gameplay where you're like, okay, that looks very achievable. Like the moment when uh, Dave, I think that's the name of Richard's character, catches uh, your Fable character and he's kind of like, almost like smashing his fist to try to, try to squish you. Those moments do look like it's, uh, it could be, you know, actual gameplay elements, but I, we've all seen what playground can do with Forza, but this honestly looked way too good. Like I'm, I'm just not ready to believe that this game is going to look this good when we get it in our hands. Uh, it was very, very unfortunate to not get anything. No hint at a date at all. There was not a year. Um, you know, Matt booty at one point, I believe earlier this year said that the game was in a little bit of a playable state and he really liked what he saw. But um, I highly doubt that we're going to see this game in 2024. It's probably going to be 2025, but it looks like it's going to be worth the wait. And I think that's the most important thing is fable is one of the, it could be one of the biggest Renaissance uh, stories for Xbox because the original fame, Fable was so amazing. Sequels were good, but I still think the the first and the second were the best. I, I wasn't really a fan of the third one. Um, and it just it's really really good to see them that they're keeping that same energy. And you look at it, you go, okay, this still is a Fable game. And uh, so I was very excited to see it. I think it looks great, but I'm still honestly not really convinced. Next up was a game that uh, I've definitely been looking forward to, which was South of Midnight. Now, this is Compulsion Games' first game since they've been acquired by Xbox. And I think that this is what, to me, was one of the most exciting things to come out of this, this, uh, this showcase, was the fact that we were finally starting to see, and we're going to discuss a little bit more as we go through the list, a lot of games that are coming out of these companies that uh, Xbox acquired a very long time ago. So Xbox acquired Compulsion Games all the way back in E3 2018. That was when they announced that they had acquired this company. At that point, I think they had only made contrast. And then after the, I think, I believe it was after the acquisition was that We Happy Few came out. That was the last game from this company. That was all the way back in August 
2018. So it's always been a mystery in terms of what has this company been working on for this entire time and why haven't we seen it yet? And uh, I think it was Jess Corden who had sort of leaked a little bit in terms of what to expect from this game. At, at one point, it was cons it was called Project Midnight, and he pretty much nailed it on the head. This looks absolutely amazing. But this was another game, kind of same thing like in the vein of Fable, where it wasn't really gameplay. It was called it, it was considered in-engine footage. But the thing about it is like this is very different from like Fable, where for this game because of the trailer that, sh that they showed, my expectation is not really for this to have this extremely high fidelity sort of look, especially because of what we've seen that Compulsion Games is uh, capable of. I think what's more important here is the atmosphere and the art style. I like that um, it almost has like a little bit of a stop motion feel and, and look to it. Um, but honestly, just this, I we need more of this from Xbox. This is the this is one of the most un Xbox um, projects that we've seen in quite some time, and for me, from the moment that we saw this trailer, I was like, okay, this is the indicator. Like this really set the mood um, for the rest of this showcase, and I feel like looking at this game south south of midnight really sets the mood for. Um, what Xbox is hoping is their golden era where we're finally starting to see um, the fruits of the labor from these 20 plus studios that they now own, where maybe we can finally get to their, the, the, the goal that they've had for quite some time, which was releasing a minimum of four AAA games in a year. This just looks really, really good. Everything about it is absolutely interesting and amazing. Um, from like that Southern Louisiana feel just, I need this. I want to play it. Please let me play this. <laughs> Hopefully it's coming very, very soon. We didn't get a, a, a date or anything for it. Star Wars Outlaws was the next one. This was a real surprise because obviously it was a Ubisoft game, but this is a CG trailer for Massive's game. That's the same team behind the division. All we really know about this is that they confirmed that it's supposed to be an open world game. Uh, but we'll have to wait to see gameplay. So uh, I guess we'll just dis I'll discuss that on next week's show because uh, I am recording this before that Ubisoft event where they are going to actually reveal what that gameplay looks like. Then we got to look at 33 Immortals. This game looks really, really cool. Uh, right there in the name, it's it's a co-op game with 33 people. Really, really loving the the uh, the art style. Definitely instantly reminded me of, of Hades, but the animations are amazing. Obviously, the big twist here is is a 33-player co-op game. There's a part of me that's really hoping there's like a revive mechanic. Like imagine, you know, when people die, you could spectate. And, you know, as people are left, maybe there are ways to like bring people back. I think it's kind of like a, a cool thought Um that you're like the last player left and 32 people are watching you, hoping that you do something in order to bring them back to life. Um, I don't know if that's a mechanic. I'm just kind of making that up in my head. I just think it would be really cool. That's coming 2024 and it's also coming to Game Pass. A lot of amazing games shown here going to, uh, to Game Pass. Then we've got our first look at Payday 3, which looks really cool. 
and that's also coming to Game Pass, which was which was a surprise. So that comes out. I think the date was September twenty first. So that's two days after Lies of P. So if you're a Game Pass subscriber in September, you're eating very well because you have Starfield at the beginning of September. Then you have, um, I think the 19th of, is Lies of P. Party Animals, I think that's the name of the game, is the 20th. And then 21st is Payday 3. So a lot of great games coming to Game Pass in September. Then we got Persona 3 Reload, which was a game that did leak. So it wasn't a crazy surprise. I still love how Atlas is still the king of menus. <laughs> they still have like all these amazing, gorgeous looking menus. That's coming out early 2024. That's also hitting Game Pass. Um, then we got a look at Avowed. Now, this was obviously a game that a lot of people were looking forward to in order to get a glimpse of coming 2024. This was a game that I was looking forward to to seeing. I'll be honest, the moment that it it showed up on screen during the showcase, I was a little bit disappointed. But I have to explain why I'm disappointed. This, looking at Avowed now in 2024, is the penultimate reason why I hate CG trailers, why I would really just prefer for companies to announce this is what we're working on, maybe give brief top line details. Hey, uh, this is Obsidian, we're working on uh, an action RPG that infuses, infuses magic with, 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 with combat, fantasy setting, um, it's called Avowed, and then that's it. You know, the issue that I've always had with CG trails is that there are a lot of moments where, once again, you don't know what's going to happen with the development process after that um, game is shown. And you can clearly, clearly tell that they went into a different direction. That uh, Avowed, the Avowed that they kind of sold us when they first showed it was a lot more grounded, a lot, of, a, a lot more hyper-realistic, where this game looks to me a little bit closer to some of their other games which was like outer wilds for example outer worlds for example which isn't a problem like i don't look at this game and say wow it looks awful it was just kind of weird for me to look at it because like, okay this is definitely not what i expected but it's honestly it still looks really fun it's still coming from obsidian the team that is you know arguably one of the kings of rpg when it comes to development teams. So I'm still very much looking forward to it. It was good to see this was one of the few Xbox games that was shown that was at least given a year. They're claiming it's coming 2024. And of course, it's also coming to Game Pass. So definitely um, looking forward to that. Then we got a Sea of Thieves, The Legend of Monkey Island expansion that's coming out July 20th. That looks really good. It's good to see Rare has still been, been able to keep this game alive one of the few games as a service success stories and definitely xbox's most prominent one uh then we got uh which was kind of surprising microsoft flight simulator 2024 i thought this looked really really cool they took the same mechanics that they built for flight simulator except they added gameplay they added mission search and rescue fighting fires you know uh, construction work just all this crazy cool stuff I thought it looked really, really amazing. I'm still surprised that Xbox has not acquired Sobo Studios. I'm, I'm kind of curious if that studio just not just does not want to sell <laughs> because, you know, if I'm Microsoft or, or maybe it's because their Activision acquisition, they can't 
really like you know go after this company yet but Sobo Studios should absolutely be part of Xbox Game Studios you know they were in charge of Microsoft Flight Simulator uh, they were uh, the creative plague the, the plague tale series just such a, a talented team over there I mean you can see what they've done with flight simulator I think that that's a, a absolute benefit for for game pass uh, excuse me for Xbox to uh, to have them then we got a new look at Hellblade 2 which is uh, obviously a game that feels like it's been in development forever <laughs> and, uh, you know this was kind of weird because you um, you know, it says at the end of it that's coming 2024. But, uh, you know, I feel like... I just feel like we would have seen... We should have seen more of it. Like, there's a brief moment of gameplay, and it still looks absolutely gorgeous. One of the best-looking games we've seen this generation, without a doubt, uh, arguably the best-looking game Xbox has under their belt. Um, but like I said, I expect a little bit more because... I think it was in the 2021 Game Awards. They show like six minutes of raw gameplay. And here, the gameplay that we saw was sort of a short walking sequence in a cave. And then it just instantly went into like this in-game cinematic, which is cool because, you know, it, it's it's still keeping to what made Hellblade Hellblade. Like you can obviously tell uh, by looking at this trailer. But I really thought we should have seen a little bit more. So it makes me skeptical that this game is actually coming out in 2024, as opposed to something like Avowed, right? They gave Avowed the 2024 date. Uh, Flight Simulator 2024, they said coming out in 2024. When you look at those two games and you see the gameplay, you can say to yourself, like, okay, th that's that's very doable. When I look at Hellblade and the fact that it feels like it's been, it's been in development for like 20 years, uh, and and it, it, they're just not ready, it seems, to, to show up, show us extended gameplay. It makes me wonder if this is actually coming out in 2024, but hopefully it does. Uh, it looks absolutely amazing. Then right after that, we got Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, uh, which is the newest entry in the Yakuza slash um, Like a Dragon series. Looks pretty cool. First time in uh, America. Looks like it's taking, I heard people saying that it's taking place in Hawaii. That's coming out early 2024. And this was sort of, a um a bit of a pattern throughout this showcase is it really showcases uh no pun intended the partnership that xbox has with sega slash atlas where there were a lot of announcements uh from those studios obviously they had the yakuza deal where a bunch of those games were added to game pass um the what do you call it the persona games coming to game pass Persona 3 Reload is coming to Game Pass. Now, this game is not coming to Game Pass, but the fact that games that we would typically think of as going on a PlayStation showcase are now at Xbox showcases is really, really cool to see. Um, definitely, definitely one of the better deals that Xbox has, has made this uh, generation. I think it, it really showcases a big difference. Then we had uh, Fallout 76, the Atlantic City expansion, which they didn't really show too much gameplay. Um, and then a surprising, surprising game from Capcom called Path of the Goddess. This looked absolutely amazing. The art style for this, Jesus Christ, man. Especially the enemy design, just gorgeous. I really love the... Uh, 
where where the camera is placed in the gameplay, it sort of reminded me a little bit of like, I don't know, like God of War. I like that it wasn't too close. It was a little bit far, but it was close enough for you to really kind of get uh, a feel for the details. Uh, and then surprise, surprise, this thing is coming to Game Pass, which is kind of crazy to see this. So this, along with Sega Atlas, has been another fruitful partnership from Xbox, which is with Capcom. So now this is the third Capcom game announced within what's well, been like a seven month period that's coming to Game Pass, starting with Monster Hunter. Then we have Exo Primal, which is coming out soon. That's coming day one of Game Pass. And now this brand new game that we've never seen before from Capcom called Path of the Goddess coming to Game Pass day one. Looks really, really amazing. Just an absolute get from uh, from Microsoft. Then we got a look at Forza Motorsport, which looks jaw-droppingly gorgeous. That's coming out October 10th. And of course, just like other Xbox games that is coming day one to Game Pass. Then we got an Elder Scrolls Necron trailer that is coming out June 20th. Uh, that looks really cool. Uh, a trailer for Overwatch 2, their next season, which is coming out uh was it August 10th or something like that? I feel like that's not their next season though, right? I think that's the next, next season. Uh, they were showing up from their PVE and some of the other stuff uh, that they had going on, which honestly the PVE looks better than what they were implying when they talked about canceling PVE. Uh, looked really, really cool. They show a, they showed a, a sneak peek at the, uh, the next support hero, which looked really, really cool. Uh, and then there is a Game Pass partnership. So especially for people that have never played Overwatch, you can unlock uh, those first five heroes that were introduced in Overwatch 2, along with, I think, some cosmetics if you have Game Pass Ultimate, which I thought was really cool to see. Pretty good brand synergy there. Then we got another Atlas announcement for Persona Tactica, which is once again coming to Game Pass November 17th. This is a game that uh, leaked, but you know, so it wasn't a surprise, but it coming to Game Pass is still a pretty cool surprise. Like I said, just an amazing partnership that Xbox has had with uh, with Sega and, and, uh, and Atlas. And I think that that was like, that's always been one of the biggest questions with Game Pass, which is how much is, is Microsoft going to invest into keeping this thing exciting month in and month out, especially when there's an absence from first party titles and they've done such a brilliant, brilliant job at striking these deals and making sure that, you know, almost every month there's at least, you know, a handful of games that looked interesting enough for you to pay another $15 for that, um, for that month. Then we got a look at a brand new game from don't nod. So this is the same, um, team that was making that uh, Ghost of Eden Banishers game that I thought was interesting that was shown at Summer Game Fest. This one is called, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, Just Ant or Jusant or something like that. It's coming fall 2023. It's sort of like this climbing puzzle adventure game that looks just gorgeous. Definitely looking forward to this. Uh, fall 2023 and it is coming day one to Game Pass. Looks really, really amazing. Loving, loving the art style of this. And it's pretty cool that's coming out uh, or scheduled to come out this year, so in fall. Then there was another Game Pass game that was showed coming early 2024 called Still Wake the Deep. Now, we didn't see much from this. There were small games, glimpses of gameplay, 
atmosphere is off the charts on this one. Yes, just yes. Everything, everything I saw about this game, I was like, yes, this is definitely a game that I would love to play. It just looks like a really, really good um, first-person adventure game. And this is really cool that it's coming to Game Pass. That was that was like one of the big takeaways. I mean, obviously a lot of people at the end of this were talking about Fable, some of the other stuff like South of Midnight, and and of course uh, Starfield. But to me, one of the biggest takeaways from this was like, wow, they are still absolutely fueling Game Pass. It felt like every game that they showed was coming to Game Pass. And obviously it's not every single one, but a lot of just really interesting one, the Persona games. The uh that one I just talked about, Jusant, still wake the deep. Um, that uh that Capcom game, Path of the Goddess, the fact that all that is coming to Game Pass, that 33 Immortals game, just really, really cool to uh to see just a lot of fuel there to uh convince you to pay another 15 for another month. Then we got a look at this game called Dungeons of Hinterberg that's coming in 2024. Once again, another Game Pass game. Once, yeah, I said it before, I'm a sucker for, for beautiful art style. Just, oh, Jesus Christ, gorgeous, man. This looks really, really cool. Uh, 3D action adventure. Yes, 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 yes. I definitely want to play this one. Dungeons of Hinterberg. Then uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves came on stage. And there was a brief trailer for uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, which is coming out September 26th. Um... It's going to be $30. I saw some people that were like, wow, that's kind of crazy. $30, isn't that a, a little bit much? Are you guys insane? Like uh, Blizzard's over there selling Diablo uh, armor for like 25, 30 bucks. What are you talking about? Uh, I personally think $30 for an expansion is fair. It looks like they're adding a lot of story content in there. Um, they're adding a lot of uh, missions also into a dedicated area on the map. Uh, apparently this is also... When they're September 26th is also when 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 they're gonna drop their next big update that elevates a lot from the game. It overhauls the police system. It overhauls combat. It over it overhauls the skill tree. A lot of changes apparently in the control system. So um, yeah, obviously they're doing a lot. They've come a very long way <laughs> from this being uh, one of the worst launches in in video game history. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it actually looks really cool. I want to know a little bit more in terms of how many hours of uh, campaign there is there for, for 30 bucks. But look, my copy of cyberpunk that I bought on PC, I, I bought it for $5. So, you know, me paying 30 for the expansion. Uh, I, I look at it like, uh, it, it's a really, really good deal. Um, so yeah, so that's coming out September 26. Then we got to look at cities skylines two. That is coming out, uh, what's the date on that? Coming October 24th, and that is coming day one to Game Pass. Uh, and then one of the biggest, biggest surprises, uh, Atlas announced a brand new game at an Xbox event. This was insanity to me. Uh, this is just something I would have never thought possible. Remember, two weeks ago, it was a PlayStation showcase. Um... There's no way this trailer wasn't wouldn't have been ready for for that moment, you know. So this really shows that 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 Xbox is is opened up their wallet for Sega and Atlas for something like this uh, to happen. Now this is not an Xbox exclusive. Uh, it says that at the end of the trailer, but I highly doubt that this is. If it was an Xbox exclusive, uh, Microsoft would have made that apparent. Um. 
but yeah, to see this game from the same team behind Persona, uh, Metaphor Refantasio coming 2024. Like I said, it's not Game Pass, um, but to see this at an Xbox showcase is such a huge, huge deal. And yeah, you know, this it's just worth every single penny. And I've brought this up before where it's not just about um, exclusivity in terms of having a game that, that th a competitor doesn't have. It's also about that marketing exclusivity is also a really big part of PlayStation success. So it's really cool for Xbox to identify uh, a publisher in Sega and say like, you know, I, I think this, this is going to be worth the money. You know, and it, it absolutely was while PlayStation is obviously focusing on studios like Square Enix and, you know, even Capcom. Like, yeah, you know, PlayStation has such a good relationship with Capcom, the relationship with Resident Evil, for example. So for Xbox to kind of go another route and, and go to Capcom with like Game Pass deals, which is something that PlayStation is unable to do. It's, this is really cool. It's cool that Xbox is finding those um those avenues. Then we got to look at another uh, Xbox game studio game, which is Towerborn coming in 2024 this just once again sucker for art style looks amazing looks like something that would be really fun to play um with friends this is be the, the the same team behind the banner saga now actually hold on let me clarify because i said this is another game studio game this is being published by xbox game studio but stoic is not uh owned by uh by xbox but this is really really cool to see i thought i thought it looked really really uh amazing uh, and then one of the biggest surprises of the show, definitely one of the ones that uh, I walked away extremely excited for, which was Clockwork Revolution. Now, this is uh, by In Exile, which is a studio that is owned by Xbox Game Studios. This is their first game since Wasteland 3. So they were purchased by Xbox in the middle of Wasteland 3's development, if I'm not mistaken. And that game came out, what, like, two years ago, I think it was, a year or two ago. I don't really remember. Um, but everyone got the same vibes from this Clockwork Revolution game. Definitely you, everyone got Bioshock vibes um, with this, which is really funny because it's like the other Bioshock vibey game was, what was it called? Judas, I think it was, which was made by Ken Levine. This game looked like more of an evolution of Bioshock, whereas Judas just felt like, it was trying really hard to be Bioshock. This game just looks like it took a lot of inspiration for Bioshock, but it still feels like its own thing. I don't know. To me, it feels like it, 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 the feeling I got from it was like the outer worlds mixed with Bioshock. That was kind of the, the, uh, the peanut butter chocolate moment that I got from looking at this video game. It's cool to see that there are like time powers where you can rewind, rewind things. It looks like, uh, you know, things that you do in the past, maybe decisions that you make, affect the future of this world gorgeous is absolutely amazing uh, we did not get a date at all for something like this um, but it looks like it's shaping up nicely they did show actual gameplay it's just oh my god just looks so so good um, they like I said they didn't give a, a date for it so we'll have to kind of wait and see and then uh, Xbox announced a brand new Xbox Series S in carbon black with a one terabyte storage for $349.99. And that was the act, the end of the Xbox showcase. Um, 
I think I agree with everyone in terms of look, I'm not I don't think I'm ready to say like, oh, this is the best ever Xbox showcase. I think I would have to really sit down and, and think about it. Um, but this is without a doubt the best showcase that we've seen this year. It's not even close. Uh, especially if you're if you're trying to compare this with the PlayStation showcase, it really isn't even close. Um Xbox really, really needed this. Like they, I mean, they desperately, desperately needed this after Redfall, after the delays that Starfield had to suffer. Remember, Starfield was supposed to come out a year ago, right? Um, you know, so many issues happening at, at Xbox. And look, there are a lot of games that we didn't see. Right? Um, Everwild is still up in the air. No one knows what the hell happened to that game. Uh, the Perfect Dark game was completely non-existent here. Uh, the Indiana Jones game is another one that's a little bit up in the air in terms of what happened uh, to it. Uh, I guess off the top of my head, I can't think of any other ones. I did a tweet that kind of showed all the Xbox games and how long it's been since we've seen them. Uh, maybe let me let me go back quickly and sort of refer to that um, thread that I made to see how many other games were we missing in terms of games that we haven't seen in a, in a long time. Uh, so Starfield was was here, obviously. Forza was here and dated. Stalker 2, GSC Game World did announce that they were not going to be here, but they still are claiming a 2023 release. Replaced was a game that I was surprised not to see here, which was that like 2.5D retro action platformer. That was a little sad not to see here. Uh, obviously, we didn't hear anything about the Kojima game. I was surprised to not see that here. Arc 2, not surprised to not see it here. The Outer Worlds 2, not surprised to not see it here. I think that makes sense, especially since that about. Contraband is a game that um, I'm surprised that it wasn't here. That's from Avalanche. It's been uh, over 700 days since we last saw Contraband. Uh, I really want to know more about that game. Indiana Jones I brought up. Perfect Dark wasn't here. Uh, Everwild. Oh, State of Decay 3. That's a good one. It's been over 1,000 days. Since we've seen State of Decay 3, we have absolutely no idea what happened to that. Project Mara from Ninja Theory, there, there was no way that was ever going to be here. And then out of the four out of the projects that I had talked about in that tweet, two of them that we didn't see was this rumor Project Dragon from Hitman IO and then Project Shaolin from Brass Island, Brass Line Entertainment. But, you know, we saw a lot of games that I think, especially from first party, a lot of, uh, gamers were curious in terms of where are these games and it was good to see them my my problem walking outside of the showcase is that we are still very much in the promise phase of Xbox's future right of course I'm not going to end this without talking about Starfield we're going to talk about that so that kind of like this year is looking really good for Xbox um, in terms of a combination of first party and third party on Game Pass, Xbox is looking to have a very, very strong end, you know, back half of the year. But I think one of the biggest issues with this showcase, I guess if I had to give it a criticism, is, you know, the lack of concrete um, dates or even windows, you know? So when you think about, uh, let's see what 2024 game. So Fable... Uh, we don't know. South of Midnight, we don't know when we're going to see that again. Clockwork Revolution, we don't know. But of everything else that they showed, which was avowed, 
They put a date of 2024, Flight Simulator 2024, Hellblade 2 2024. Let me see, going down the list, Towerborn 2024. So that is four first-party games that they put as 2024, but none of them gave us a window. It wasn't spring 2024, fall 2024. Um, some of these look a little bit further along than, uh, than others, like Flight Simulator, I feel like you can lock that in for 2024. Avowed, I think it's looking good. Hellblade, I'm a little bit skeptical of. And we'll have to wait and see for that tower board game if it's going to be ready for 2024. But look, those four games alone, that's already a better, two, way better year that they've had in the year 2023. Or, you know, honestly, you could probably wrap it up into, you know, this entire generation for Xbox has obviously been a lack of first party games. But then what was really amazing is, you know, you combine those 2024 games well, all of these amazing looking third-party games that are also coming to Game Pass in 2024, right? You have the Persona 3 uh, Reload. Um, what's another one on here? Path of the Goddess coming to Game Pass. Uh, Persona Tech, well, Persona Tactica is actually this year, November. Jusant is this year, November. Uh, sorry, not this year. This year, fall. Still Wake the Deep, early 2024 to Game Pass. Dungeons of Hinterburg, 2024 Game Pass. I think you kind of combine all of that and you roll it all together. And I think that's how you walk away from this and say, yeah, this was a, actually a really, really good showcase. Even just outside of uh, Xbox games and things coming to Game Pass, even general stuff like the Like a Dragon debut happening here. Star Wars Outlaw uh, being something that debuted on here. Um, finally getting a date for Forza Motorsport for October 10th. You know, overall, this was something that you know, Xbox sorely, sorely needed. And I, and I honestly, I think back to like Phil Spencer during his interview with, I think it was kind of funny, where it, it happened right after Redfall dropped, obviously uh, crucified by reviews left and right. And I kind of look at it, I, I think back to that moment, I'm like, man, uh, Phil Spencer was being extremely modest and humble at that moment in time because um he he had to to know that a lot of these games were going to be ready for his for his show and it's kind of interesting because it shows you uh who phil spencer is and the fact that you know sometimes i feel like uh there are certain things well no let me let me let me rephrase that i think that it shows how well he knows his own audience where he knows that at that moment in time even thinking few weeks back when he was at that interview where he knew that Xbox was not in a position where he can sit there and say, look, this is going to be an amazing show. I, I, I'm telling you guys it's going to be an amazing show. Even if he truly felt that way. And if he would have said it, we would have been watching this and, and, and gone like, wow, he was right. If he would have said something like that at that moment in time, everyone would have basically said, uh, you don't have the balls to say something. Not excuse me, not, not, not that you don't have the balls to the cojones. But you you basically don't have the capacity to say something like this because you haven't really proven it. A lot of the times that Xbox has made claims, remember one of the last showcases, hey, everything we're going we're gonna to show off here comes out in the next 12 months. They fell flat on their face when it came to that showcase and Phil Spencer admitted it, right? Um, and it's, it's just kind of interesting to see that at that point in time, he was like, he sort of was very modest about 
this showcase. He was because he understood and he even sort of said in so many words, like, I know that no matter what I say, no one's going to believe me. I know that, unfortunately, that's the reputation that we've made for ourselves. And just the fact that he had this showcase in his pocket, uh, because like I said, this that that happened just what was it, a month, two months within the last two months. Uh, a lot of this run of show would have already been um, sort of discussed at that point. So yeah, overall, I think it was it, it was really really good. But of course, the you know the the cherry on top, the exclamation point in this entire showcase was Starfield, and um, I I really have honestly no words. Like I I I was jokingly going to end this showcase by just saying I have no words. So let's just move on to how releases, you know, because uh, you know Starfield. I've been a but there's a fan for not the, the super longest time but ever since oblivion right i bought an xbox 360 at launch i had a friend of mine who played morrowind a lot but i just was never really into fantasy games i was never really into games that involve things like magic and stuff like that I just really wasn't into fantasy environment you know fantasy games and uh i remember leading up to the 360's launch reading in, in different magazines because you know that was the way we used to get our news right magazines um the discussions of, of, of about the previews about Elder Scrolls Oblivion and I just remember reading about it and just going like wow like it it was a concept that I never really thought was possible in a video game this concept of what you know at that time was sort of considered true freedom and and uh sort of agency a, a, as a player and that was when I fell in love with Bethesda because I bought Oblivion at launch and I've pretty much bought every Bethesda game since then. The Fallouts, uh, Skyrim, of course. So I was definitely one of those people that was very much looking forward to Starfield. And Starfield has kind of been one of those games where on paper, when they when they sold Starfield, especially that that deep dive that they did uh, last year, which was uh, like like 15 minutes of gameplay or something like that that they showed. What was it, early this year, last year? I don't, I don't really remember. When they were talking about, you know, Thousand Planets and all this stuff, at that point in time, it still felt like, no, this just this can't be real. It just, it's it still felt like, wow, this sounds really, really cool on paper, um, but can you actually execute it? And to see this game, to see the amount of confidence from from this team, that they, they, they put together a 45-minute showcase, and they went through absolutely everything right they showed exploration they showed um combat they showed the customization of characters they showed the customization of the ship showing things like you know being able to get your crew and all that stuff diving deep into the quests a lot of the worlds diving deep into the skill system and how that worked companions um how space flight works space how space combat is going to work um, what your expectations should be in terms of, you know, answering an important question, which is, okay, when I go on a planet, what can I expect? And then sort of con confirming that it's, it's a bit of a procedurally generated thing happening where they're trying their best to populate it randomly. But the fact that, you know, when you land on a planet, it still feels like there's a purpose to be there that, uh, you know, it's not just a completely barren wasteland. 
um, that there still are secrets and things to discover there, whether it's fauna or creatures or anything like that. Um, I, after the direct aired, I watched it again. Um, and I still honestly don't believe that this game is real. It just still, it, it, it still does not feel possible. This just, it just feels too big, right? It just feels like too much. Um, to the point where I don't look at it like I'm overwhelmed. I don't think about it in that way because I, like many others that interact with Bethesda games, you understand that when you buy a Bethesda game, you're buying a game for like 10 years or something like that, right? So like Starfield, the, the what is it? The special edition, I think it's called the Constellation Edition, the one that brings the watch, is $300. And I think on one hand, it's like, wow, $300 is a lot. But it's like, is $300 a lot for a game that you're going to be playing for like definitely a five-year minimum or something like that? Like, think about it. A thousand planets, all these different uh, things that you could do to customize your ship and, you know, exploration and who knows how many stories and side quests there are um, to this game. And that's not even talking about the eventual path that modders are going to go down to add mods to this game. Um, which is why, you know, PC is going to be king when it comes to playing this game. They did confirm that it is 30 frames per second on console. That's not a surprise. When you look at the scale of this game, you're going to have idiots online. They're like, oh, you know, next generation should be 60 FPS. Um, and I think for a lot of games, that should be a demand. Like for a game like Redfall, come on, that should be 60 FPS. There should be zero reason why um, that's locked at, at, at 30. But for this game, when you look at the scale of it, it, it just makes sense for something like on a console. It's, it's, it's something where it's like, man, I, I of course I, I wish it would be 60 FPS. Like I said, it doesn't really matter to me because I, I'm planning to play this on PC, but it's, it's also at the same time, like you understand it. Like if, if they said this is the best way to experience it, then it's going to be the best way to experience it. Who knows? Maybe down the line, they'll you know, upgrade it, update it to a 1080p 60 FPS. We, you know, we obviously uh, don't know, but it, you know, there are many moments in our industry where um, a few things happen when a game is announced. Number one is a game is, is sort of sold to you through words and ideas. And throughout that phase, throughout time in, in gaming, it, it's become so difficult to uh, really realistically quantify someone pitching you a game. When you hear the elevator pitch for a video game, I always think about like Peter Molyneux and Fable, which is like one of the most notorious examples that you can use of uh, people really overselling an idea. And then when it comes time to actually sort of build the house, they realize like, oh man, no, this isn't really possible. This is one of those few, few moments where a game is sold to me. Um, I kind of have the game in my head, right? You have like the basic structure of this is a Bethesda game. It's Elder Scrolls, but, but in space. And you sort of build it in, in, in your mind. And then you're slowly given pieces. You're given concept art and small snippets. And then you start building it up in your mind. This is one of the few moments in my life that I can think of that a video game has been sold, pitched, um, given, you know, sneak peeks have been given out. And it's 100% looking like it's going to um, deliver on exactly what was promised. Um there's really not much more to say. Like, I, I don't know how you can look at this game and not think it's one of, not only just one of the greatest things coming out this generation, but one of 
looking to be one of the greatest video games of all time. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, obviously, the still this still needs to stick the landing. Some people I saw were commenting on the frames of some of the gameplay that were shown that it didn't really seem super stable. You know, remember we are in June. That means that the build that we're seeing is probably as old as like January, maybe or something like that. A lot of that might've been fixed uh, or should have been fixed by now, but look, everything really just comes down to, um, to sticking the landing. And, um, I think that I'm still very much like, I still can't believe that this game exists. Like I, I, I'm just not going to believe until September 1st. I was going to say September 6th, but you know I'm getting that that early access, five-day early access. So it's going to be September 1st for a lot of us. I'm just not going to believe it until, until I'm actually playing it. But if this game is technically sound, like, look, we're going to have uh, glitches. That's going to be absolutely natural. You, 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 this is a Bethesda game. That, that's going to be part of 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 of, uh, of the package. But as long as it's it's minimal, visual, nothing that really is game breaking, uh, there is zero zero doubt in my mind that this is going to be game of the year. It's obviously between this and 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 Tears of the Kingdom. You know, there really is no other competition. The other games that come out this year. Diablo's, Resident Evil, Street Fighter, all those games are, are absolutely amazing. Final Fantasy, I'm sure, is also going to be in the running when it comes out very soon. Um, but when we discuss Game of the Year, we really have to consider uh, what games coming out this year um, far exceed everything else from a technical and imaginative um, perspective and something that we've just never really seen before and things that we never envisioned to ever have even been built which is where tears of the kingdom falls with their physics system and the way that that's been built and the fact that everything works and when you look at this game it just looks like a pipe dream this is kind of like one of those things where it feels like a it, it, this feels like no man's sky fully realized this feels like the game that no man's sky really wanted to be and look they built into their own thing but it really feels like that no man's sky pipe dream that we first heard about years ago and a team actually putting together this type of vision, taking over a, you know, a decade of development time, who knows how, how much this game costs to make and actually making it real. But for all of that to exist in such a good looking package, it's, it's just, it's a miracle. You know, look, creating a video game is a miracle, but the creation of this game is probably one of the biggest, one of the greatest video game miracles I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, just wow. Like there is, like I said, as long as it sticks the landing and it's technically sound and it delivers on everything that the Bethesda has promised, there is zero doubt that Xbox is finally going to win their first game of the year. There's just no doubt about it. You know, because this year is going to be the first year ever that we're going to have uh, an exclusive from each of the big three. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is definitely going to be there. Final Fantasy, I believe, is definitely going to be nominated for uh, Game of the Year. And then we have, um, of course, uh, Starfield is definitely going to be nominated for Game of the Year. As long, once again, as it sticks to landing, right? As long as we don't have a cyberpunk situation on our hands, um, there is just no doubt in my mind after playing Tears of the Kingdom and looking at this game, that this is definitely game of the year. And as I said before, Xbox has never won a game of the year ever before. I think they've only been nominated 
maybe twice, which I think will be technically Deathloop and then Psychonauts 2. Um, I think of the only two times that they've been nominated for Game of the Year. And remember, I'm specifically talking about the Game Awards. But yes, I mean, I've watched I've watched this direct twice. I think I'm going to go back for a third time. <laughs> but I just could not stop smiling looking at it because, like I said, it's one of the few times in my life that I can think of uh, all the times I've interacted with this industry where a game has been sold to me and I've sort of built it up in my mind and I've designed it in my mind and I've, I've created a, a dream and I've said to myself, man, this is the game that I would, that I would like. When you tell me, but this is making a space game, this is what I want. And I'm building it in my head and to find out that the people that made this game built something that looks very close to what I had in my brain is just amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like that, that, I don't know what more I can say about Xbox this year. Um, I can't even imagine how amazing the people at Xbox must feel right now, especially after just how rough it's been for the last few years, how rough it's been for the last few months because of Redfall. Um, and then for something like this to happen, this amazing showcase followed by Starfield Direct, you know, remember a lot of times when Xbox says, hey, we're finally ready to show something. You guys remember Halo, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just good to see Xbox say like, hey, our team is finally ready for us to, to show you this. Here's 45 minutes. It just exuded so much confidence. And I think that's why I'm very confident. It, it, it didn't really feel like they were trying to hide anything when they showed off uh, the game. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I don't really know what, what more to say. I just, I can't wait. It's just a few months from now. And um, yeah, I did just, Jesus Christ, man. Like, if you're if you've been a PlayStation head your whole life, and if, if this is a game that doesn't convince you to like, man, maybe it's time to buy Xbox. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I don't think there's gonna be anything else uh, to sway you because like you see this, and then some of the other stuff that now Xbox is showing their hand finally. The Avowed Clockwork Revolution looks amazing. Um, South of Midnight Fable looks pretty cool. Like, I think this is the first time in a while that if you don't uh, have an Xbox. Now you finally have this amazing game in Starfield where it's like, wow, this is definitely a reason to buy this box. And then now Xbox is showing you like, hey, in the future, we actually do have some some cool things coming along, especially on Game Pass. But yeah, just Jesus Christ um, put their whole foot in it. This week's hot releases, June 12th, we have Ubisoft Forward, 1 p.m. Eastern time is when that's happening. Then that's followed by the Capcom Showcase at 6 p.m. Eastern time. June 13th, Xbox is actually going to have a, an extended showcase. They're claiming that there's going to be some games announced there that weren't shown in, on the showcase. So that is 1 p.m. Eastern time. June 15th, we have Crime Boss Rock Hay City, PS5, Xbox Series X. June 15th, also we have Layers of Fear, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. And then June 16th, F123, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. No wrap it up this week, but I want to give a shout out to Summer Games Done Quick 2023. They wrapped up last week with $2.2 million raised. Thank you guys so much for joining. Please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Camp Cozy for future updates. Once again, I'm Joel. I will see you all next week. <laughs>